On this week's episode of the Infusion Breakdown Show, the Breakdown crew sat down among ourselves to discuss the top three life skills that a person can possess. Be sure to give us your take in the comments. But until then, let's see what we come up with. So the question we have for today, what are the three most valuable life skills a person can possess? Comment below, let us know your opinion. We also have timestamps in the description below, as always. Be sure to check them out. Cool. So there's three skills that I thought about and to kind of offer an explanation for anyone watching this, these are not restricted to hard or soft skills. So I have a mixture of both. And the first one I have is introspection. The second one is empathy. And the third one is cooking. And I can offer a brief explanation of why I think each of these are valuable life skills or three of the most valuable life skills you can possess. So with introspection, I feel like that's the biggest one because with that, it allows you to recognize areas for change and growth and also have like the self-awareness to acknowledge when you're wrong. And that in itself, if you don't have that, it severely limits like your, your potential in life. And then empathy, because I feel like when it comes to people specifically like in my line of work in the software industry, so we focus on intelligence and there's uh, like stereotypically most people would say that people in the, in the software industry, they lack those kind of people skills. You, you picture like a geek over a keyboard coding and you can't like relay information to people. So it's just like, with that in mind, I feel like if you have intelligence and empathy, it'll get you a lot further because people skills, they'll unlock doors that, excuse me, people skills will get you places that like you just are, your raw intelligence won't just because of networking and those kind of abilities. And I really started to work on empathy and emotional intelligence a few years ago. And most of this was actually driven by the relationships that I had with, with women in particular. And as a direct benefit of that, it increased like the amount of empathy. So I try to apply it to like my day-to-day -day life. And the third one I have is cooking because it knocks off like the fact that you having to be dependent on anybody. And then you think about how most people waste money is, okay, you're going to Starbucks getting a $5 latte or you're going getting bullshit from McDonald's or something like that. Versus if you buy yourself, like I do, I mean, you can cook in bulk or um, I guess a, just a, a plain benefit. I feel like it's cheaper. Like when you buy stuff like the, like the raw materials and actually cook the stuff for yourself. And then you also have more control over it. But I really think that for the main reason of you have the, the independence from other people, because like I've had guy friends, for example, they'll get in a relationship with the girl and she does X, Y, and Z, like the domestic stuff. And the relationship isn't working, but because she does that, she cleans, she cooks and stuff like that. They'll hold on to it a little bit longer. So it ends up hurting both of them a little bit longer. So it's just like, if you have the skills that allow you to be independent like that, like I said, cooking was the primary one out of the like the domestics that I thought of. But if you can do stuff like that, you don't have that problem because you don't need anybody. I'm not saying that you can't depend on someone in, in areas where you do, but it's not like an absolute necessity. Like you, you won't be able to do for yourself without an individual. For sure. It's funny you say empathy because like in the customer service field, that's like the one thing they always push. And I've just, came to the conclusion that I'm not an empathetic person <laughs> because a lot of the stuff that people complain about, like when you're in the field of customer service at any level, it's like self-righteousness, man. And it's like, when you can detect that, it's so hard to be empathetic because it's like, why should I care about your privilege? Why should I be empathetic towards your privilege? But like in your field, as far as like tech, I think, like you said, that is super important. Um, Real quick, you said, uh, 
on empathy, I want to ask you something about that. Because you had mentioned like the self-righteous white customers that pissed you off last week. Mm-hmm. And so with, with empathy is, so with what you do, I know that you, you work at ADP. What, and you, you do calls with customers pretty frequently. So what exactly is your experience with having to be empathetic with them? Um, so a lot of times in the customer service field, a lot of escalations, which is a term we use for like clients who call in and want to speak to managers. And typically we don't ever transfer them to managers. I know a lot of us um, within the field are well, you know, level-headed enough to be able to take these clients for on our own without having to get a manager involved. So a lot of times, a lot of uh, our empathy or escalation calls comes from negligence where they put in a request for something to be done and it hasn't been done in a timely manner. A lot of times what will happen is these requests will be done or will be uh, submitted by a client within 24, 48 hours before this call. Mm-hmm. But we always tell clients they could take up to five business days. So they'll call in, you know, yelling, saying, we, you know, we spend way too much money. Like we're in a contract. You're not in a contract. Uh, you're spending too much money. You're not spending a lot of money. It's $49.99 plus, you know, a dollar or two per every employee added on. And then on top of that, they like to complain about our whole times. Our whole times are no longer than five minutes on a busy day. So compared to our counterparts within like payroll that have whole times up to like an hour and a half, you have it very easy. So for me, it's knowing everything that I know because I've worked in both payroll and I've worked with time management. Like it's hard for me to be empathetic because these clients have payroll expectations or they have payroll, uh, you know, how can I say this? They, they're placing the expectations on us that they have payroll as far as what they experience when that's not your experience with us. We're a completely different entity within ADP itself. So I have a hard time taking the blame for what you experience with someone else. Like it'd be different if this was, you know, we do take some of the clients on for our, for our own, but it'd be different if you gave me this request and I fumbled it. Mm-hmm. Then I'd have a reason to be empathetic. But knowing what I know and knowing the inner workings of our department, like it's really just hard for me to be empathetic because a lot of the stuff is just, it's so minor. Like it's people making a big deal about like $130 and, you know, as an entrepreneur, like you're going to lose money. Like my dad and I, we talk about stocks. We talk about Forex all the time and losing money is a part of, is part of the game. But the simple fact that that's your $130 or your $50, like you, you have that attachment to it. And it's like, you have to, for me, and it's, it's funny that we say that because for me going into my three skills, like I have my number one skill, no matter, and it's not very direct, but your number one skill you can have in life or possess is your purpose. Number one. Number two is emotional intelligence. And the reason why I'm bringing it up emotional intelligence is because part of emotional intelligence is the ability to detach from any situation in life, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a job that's not, you know, putting you in the best situation to provide for your family or yourself. And I think that's so key because we will, I've experienced it myself to where I've stayed at a job longer than I should have numerous times. I've stayed in a relationship longer than I could have. And I realized that as I found my purpose, my emotional intelligence increased. I knew what I wanted and I knew I wasn't going to accept anything less on the way to getting what I wanted. And then the last thing is time management. I think time management is so important today because in the in a uh, time frame where everybody's working from home or um, 
everything's done virtually. There's not a lot of, you know, physical interaction or how do I say face-to-face -face interaction with people. Um, everything's done on like a scheduled basis now. So it's, you no longer have that ability to, you know, walk up to your manager or walk up to your director or walk up to your coworker while you're all in one space and say what you need to say or ask what you need to ask within, you know, two minutes. Now you got to put time on their schedule. Now you got to, you know, IM them or now you got to send them an email and wait for their response. So one thing that I implemented that I actually uh, got from this YouTube video I watched last year around the May timeframe, I can't remember his name. I think it's like Matthew and Tina. He's a very, he's a prominent YouTuber. He has a nice, really nice aesthetics, which is the reason why I was attracted to his videos, but he has like this 90-20 um, rule where he will work without any distractions for 90 minutes. And then he'll give, give his brain 20 minutes to rest, but that's just long enough to not go into a resting state but just enough to, you know, decompress and then go back into that next 90 minutes. So in the field of like, whether it be customer service or me, like I'm transitioning to spending a lot more of my time doing day trading. All of those are super important because in the field of Forex, we see a lot of people don't have the emotional intelligence that really messes with their psychology. You'll see a lot of people that will over leverage their accounts. You'll see a lot of people, um, risk more than they can afford to lose and all of that stuff comes down to psychology and psychology is you know really just another i guess you could say branch on the tree of emotional intelligence i think when you can learn to you know curb your anxiety when you can learn to curb your greed everything will align as it's supposed to in your life and you'll truly be able to bear the fruits of your labor and then time management ties perfectly into that because you will get traders block, which I, I equate to like writer's block to where you'll just be looking or doing so much to where something doesn't make sense. And you'll take like two hours away and you'll come back in and be like, damn, how could I not identify that? Where, so if you kind of like give yourself structure, then you'll see structure with your time. You'll see, you know, things blossom the way they're supposed to be and the way they're intended to. Same thing in customer service as well. When you, when you set that structure to where you're, you know, dedicating time to emails, dedicating time to clients, dedicating time to like off the phone work, everything just flows so much more smoother than you trying to juggle all of it, you know, at once. So you said purpose was the most important one for yeah. what, okay, so there was a, a priority ranking. Mm -hmm. So how did you find your purpose? Um... I think I found my purpose the way a lot of young parents do. I found myself going through the motions. I come from like a, a you know, a decent, you know, as far as like when it comes to income, I come from a decent family. So uh, my parents have done what they had to do to where I don't necessarily have to struggle, but I mm -hmm. found myself struggling at my own negligence, my own, like at, at my own uh, expense. So what I did was, I just stopped truly feeling sorry for myself, man. I kind of just said, if there's going to be change that occurs in my life, then I have to seek the change. I can't expect for it to just come across my desk one day. So I like started picking, picking up, you know, I, I know today, like I'm not as big on them as I used to be, but I started picking up self-help books. I used to read them. It didn't do anything for me until I actually started dissecting what I was reading and, you know, Critical thinking was one of the soft skills that I wanted to um, say, but I, I chose not to. But I started thinking more critically about what it was I was reading. And 
I started implementing pieces of it. And as I implemented more pieces, there just became a point to where everything clicked. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I found, you know, day trading, day trading was something that like a lot of people attempt to do and they fail at, but it was something that I failed at and I failed at and I failed at until I finally got successful at it. And along the way, I started uh, mentoring like other um, younger traders in our, in our, in our little group. And I realized that I had such a knack for teaching somebody the basics at a more advanced level than a lot of people can. Like you go, you go learn your, um, and I think, I think Josh can relate to this as well through ABA, but a lot of what we did with ABA was super simple stuff, but we had to be so creative with how we taught it to where the kid, like it was almost tailored for every kid. Like we couldn't do one lesson the same way with different kids. Like it had to be right. almost tailored for them. And it was like, once I realized that I had a knack for teaching people effortlessly, because my mind, I think I've just be over my 26 years, like I've been, I've become such an expansive thinker. Like I realized that that's what I had to do. That's where I got my dopamine hit from. It wasn't, you know, getting paychecks or, you know, having successful trades or, you know, thinking about going to law school or stuff like that. Like I got my biggest thrill out of life by teaching people something that they thought was impossible in less than an hour. So reason why I say purpose is I, although I have not fulfilled my purpose, I'm on the track to fulfill it because I've identified what it is that I'm really good at and I'm putting all the pieces together to where I could do it independently or if need be acquire the necessary, you know, educations or, you know, licensing to, to do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. That's dope. So would, so you're saying that your, the purpose was, I guess, in kind of like what you were saying previously about mentoring eventually. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah. Cause you, you never like directly said it, but I had to put the lines together and deduce it. Of, of course. Yeah, that's my fault. I should I should have said it because, but <laughs> I know we've had that conversation before. So you know, just for I guess the new listeners or people that didn't catch it, mentoring is what I feel like. You know, my purpose is is what I get excited about, and it's it doesn't it doesn't feel taxing at all. What was your three again? Uh, in a ranked order: uh, purpose, emotional intelligence, and then time management. Okay. Um. Yeah, I know Brian said empathy. Does empathy hold more value to other people than themselves? No, I think it's more important for the person to be empathetic because empathy really, um, from my personal opinion, it displays selflessness. I'm kind of a selfish person. I, I'm not as selfish as I used to be, but I think empathy and the ability to display it at such a high, I guess you could say, success rate to where you're not constantly clashing with yourself. I think it's a perfect uh, depiction of selflessness. Do you need selflessness to be successful though? Depends on what you want to do. It sure helps. It does. Like I, I would say, I think it plays a part. I think I'll say this, you can get where you want to get in life without empathy, but remaining at the top of your game or I'm sorry with you can get where you want to get in life without selflessness but to remain at the top you it's going to be it's going to have to eventually be a skill that you learn because if you, I know if you think about um think about cloud nine for example you can think about any job that we had 
when we've had managers that we can't reason with, you want to leave. One thing that ADP does so well is it has really high attention, uh, retention rates because they put people in like leadership roles that have that empathy to where, hey, yeah, you might not be making $20 an hour. You might be $2 shy of that. But we have the, the melting pot that has been curated for the employee to feel like he's valued. Let's be honest. Like nobody wants to be answering 20 calls a day, hearing people bitch at them, or I'm sorry, excuse me, <laughs> complain to them about simple stuff. But because the culture is so selfless to where they constantly try and put the client above the associate that is answering the call, like this is saying like me putting the client above myself per se, or my colleagues doing the same, like because they teach that and because, you know, essentially the, the managers put us above themselves at times as well, like we, they have that high retention rate. And, you know, I mean, not even just retention rate with uh, employees, but they have high retention rate with clients as well. Okay. Did you ask because you didn't think it was possible? No, I was just asking. Hmm. Well, I didn't think it was possible to be successful without empathy. Uh, yes, that, and then you had asked prior to that, well, this is a, a either or type of question where you would ask, does empathy help the person who's actually exercising or the, per, or the uh, guest beneficiary, the recipient? I don't know. It's actually a question I just came up with while you was talking. So I actually was curious. And then if it did benefit the person, is that actually more beneficial to the actual I think, circumstance? I think it benefits the person who's exercising it more because- oh, it allows you to take more of an active role in how things play out. Let's say you and I have a misunderstanding. So I don't know, I'm ignorant of your level of empathy. And it could have been because you had a bad day or some other circumstance that was internal to you, unknown, unbeknownst to myself. And so with that in mind, I can approach the situation a little differently. I could just take it as, okay, well, this is it. Like cut my boy Josh off, that's it. Or I could take, the time to actually think and say, okay, well, maybe this is on, maybe uh, something else is going on and kind of like delve into it and, and have a conversation to talk about that. But without empathy, you're less likely to do things like that and take the initiative. And ultimately that could affect like your interpersonal relationships. It could affect like job opportunities. It could affect um, just about anything, but mo most more so like with, uh, with people. Okay. Yeah, That's I got you. About, you know, like for positive opportunity. I got you. I was just thinking about it as a need basis. So that's why I asked if you needed it to be successful or not. So that's really that was a different I question. I know. I know. That's what I was. That's where I was going to with mm. it, though. That's what I was talking about. But I got you. But my um, my three is uh, kind of similar to Des really is emotional intelligence, critical thinking and in time management. Um, and emotional intelligence is valuable because if you have the ability to understand and manage your emotions while growing up, you'll be able to move more effectively from past relationships, like he said. Uh, you'll be more understanding of other people's emotions and decisions, and you'll be more socially aware. And having emotional intelligence is a key part in knowing who you are. And I know I didn't have the emotional intelligence uh, growing up to understand other people's emotions, which caused me to make decisions based on emotion instead of taking the time to actually understand people's emotions and my own. Um, so that's really why I say growing up as a person can grow, uh, growing up, uh, having growing up with that emotional intelligence is, uh, can be valuable, especially as a leader. Uh, cause I feel a lot of good leaders have the emotional intelligence. Uh, and then second critical thinking, critical thinking skills are valuable because having the ability to think critically will help with solving problems. And without the ability to solve problems and think critically, you can find yourself stuck in the same place and 
there's a lot of people who don't have that ability to think critically, especially when they get together. That's why there's people <laughs> who um who don't have like the debt, who who are like stuck in debt or stuck in the same place, like stuck in the same job, like Des said, uh, because they don't know how to they don't have they don't know how to solve the problems they got to them that got them in there in the first place. Uh, so so that's really why I say critically thinking. And a lot of times growing up as kids. Growing up as kids, you're like so sheltered and, and are overprotected, overprotected, and that ends up uh, hindering the kid from being able to crit critically think. And you have the kids that aren't shattered, that aren't sheltered as much, um, and their parents don't let them do whatever. And when those kids make a mistake, instead of teaching them, they lecture them on what they should know and actually um, what they should know and actually being without actually being taught it. So that's why I really say that. And I know I was able to think critically uh as i grew up because as the last kid like as the last kid born i was left alone more and seeing um just seeing everything around me grow up like seeing around me growing up i was able to analyze everything and process the good and the bad and think critically from the experience i've come in contact with and then just go from there uh so critical so critical thinking skills i would say right there is uh is definitely valuable and then my last one is just time management skills and time management skills are valuable because it's not how much time you have is basically what you do with the time and having good time management skills can help you not only accomplish more things but it can really open it open up open up the doors for like other things too because you have good such good time management skills so this was also ranked in order too for you right no no i just no it was just yeah okay because i didn't i didn't have order how did you develop your emotional intelligence because what i was saying from well, my experience was it was driven through interactions with, like I said, with women and it evolved over time. So like earlier, I didn't have the emotional intelligence. I guess, well, it, they kind of, I, I relate that one to empathy. So it may have been something that I had a rough time with early, but as I progressed and got older, it wasn't always somebody saying, hey, Brian, you need to do this. It was more so raising yourself up to meet a certain requirement that you have for yourself. So it's like, okay, well, if you, if you see somebody as this important, then you will act in line with that. So that's that's what my experience was like. And so through doing that in repetition, I started to realize more and more. And then I realized like empathy goes a long way with like friendships. That's why I feel like I have so many friends that I have deep relationships with like after school. Cause it's like, I talk to other people and it's like, how many friends do you have? And they'll be like one or two. It's like, damn, like you really, that's, that's just so strange to me. Like a lot of people are like that. Like they have, they have really like surface level friendships with other people, whereas I've, I, I don't see why, like, that's so hard to, like, actually have deep connections with people. Like, there's people who I may have had service level interactions with back in school, like college, but after ODU, it's like, we're really cool. Like, we actually have, like, long talks and stuff like that. Like, one of the, like, Rome, for example, we knew each other and we were cool in ODU, but we didn't talk this much until, like, afterwards. And he was actually one of the reasons, like, he was, um, one of the conversations I had with him was right before we started the podcast. And I was um, talking about different ideas and he kind of, he kind of like that conversation with him kind of inspired this. So it's just like, you can either have like surface level interactions with people or deeper ones. And I, and I had like a, a drive to continue to have deeper connections with people. And I feel like that's what really drove it. And it, I wouldn't say it was like one person telling me anything because that would be a, a mo a, an external motivator that I'm depending on someone else as opposed to me saying, this is something that I need to do or something that I would like to do. And it's not dependent on one person's presence in my life or not. So did you have a similar experience to where something triggered you or was a catalyst to your emotional intelligence? 
Uh, I wouldn't say it was something. It was really more self-awareness, uh, but it was basically um, kind of like what Des said. He, I just got kind of got sick of tired of being disappointed, so I had to strip myself down and look at myself from a outside lens, and then find out what was I missing, and to find out, okay, I'm missing the emotional intelligence part, and I have to understand why they're making these decisions um, on behalf of my part. So that's really what it was, just looking at myself from a different lens and just stripping myself down from the, everything and then just realizing I didn't have the emotional intelligence and then working on that. Does your, does your profession have anything to do with that? Like your desire to have more emotional intelligence or your increase of skill, that skill? Uh, I think it's made me better, but I don't think it's um, necessarily got me to realize that I needed it, though. But I, I would say it's definitely made me better and made me become more empathetic and how other families are, their situations and everything like that. But I wouldn't say it made me direct correlation as to, oh, okay, now I got to work on my emotional intelligence. It was more just me realizing, like, okay, I'm sick of the same routine. I got to change it up and do something else. Your job was just like additional reps because you have to be able to relate with the individuals, the children that you're working with. Exactly, yeah. So I noticed also, excuse me, go ahead. No, no, I was about to say, I did uh, start working on that after college, though. I didn't start working on or really realize I needed to work on my emotional intelligence to like after college, like after undergrad college. But yeah. So I was looking at your list and actually does this list too, but you guys listed soft skills. You didn't have any hard skills. So are there any hard skills you think that are important for or valuable for someone to possess? I'm not sure what the what you mean as far as hard skills and like, soft skills. Like cooking, for example, that's the one that I gave. I always thought like that was more of a soft skill than a hard skill. Cooking is. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I consider the difference between the difference. hard and soft skills is like, are you actually doing something? Like a soft skill is is like communication, listening. Whereas a hard skill is uh, like masonry, stonework, coding, things that you actually like produce a tangible object. So my, my, my counter would be, well, purpose is a hard skill. Like, to be honest, like, just because I don't no, say difficult, like, <laughs> like just because I don't say, okay, you know, uh, like a degree or anything, like you said, any, um, any job that you have to be like an apprentice for or something of that nature, like purpose for me falls in that same category because some people can find their purpose through like my, my godbrother, for example, he's a, he's an, a practicing attorney. Like he's known since he was like six years old that he wanted to be an attorney. That was his purpose in life. Like he felt that's what he was put on this earth to do. So for me, like, I didn't want to say, uh, you know, mentorship or anything like that as, uh, I mean, I guess mentorship could be a, considered a soft skill. Um, today's day and age, I would think a hard skill might be, I mean, I, I would say foreign language. Like I, I think we're getting to a point to where English is, and I, I think I saw, um, what's her name? Nikita? Yeah. I, yeah, I seen her comment under uh, our, one of the posts we had on Instagram a few mm, months yeah. back and she was saying that 
a, uh, I think we're talking about education, but she said that a second language should be mandatory in schools. And while I didn't necessarily agree when I first read it, the more I thought about it, she's like actually spot on because I'll find myself using Spanish, you know, inherently with my English when I'm talking to my son. Like, even though he doesn't understand it, I still say things in Spanish because it's just almost second nature to me. Like, today it's mm -hmm. cold as shit. We were in the Target parking lot. And I was like, hace frío, hace frío. And he's just looking at me in my face with the with the most blank expression. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> or I'll say, whenever he puts on his jacket, I was like, okay, uh, chaqueta. And I, like, I just try and say it, like, repetitiously until he kind of, like, pieces everything together. But I never do it intentionally. Like, it's just almost second nature at this point like although I can't speak it fluently like I've taken you know I've went up to Spanish three in high school and then I've taken advanced Spanish uh in undergrad so like I mm -hmm. can piece stuff together not as cleanly as I could before but I would say foreign language could could be a, a hard skill that is almost going to be a game changer in the in the near future because even at ADP like our Spanish speaking reps like people that can speak English and Spanish uh bilingual reps like they're in demand, they want that. I think I was actually looking, but I probably don't have enough time to find it. But I, I've read before, heard that people who speak more than one language, they actually generally are higher in intelligence. Like there's a correlation between right. that. It's hard. Yeah, it is. Like it's, it's, it's really hard. difficult. Like I was jokingly thinking, I was like, man, this was the dumbest thing I think I've said in recent time. I was like, damn. Do people who speak Chinese and <laughs> Chinese and Japanese and uh, German and all these other languages, like, man, do they, like, to me, it's hard to, to see them. I might have said it up here before as well. I was like, it's hard for me to, like, be in their mind and ha see them think in their native language. Because when I'm thinking of Spanish, I'm thinking English and I'm translating it into Spanish as I'm saying it. Mm -hmm. So it's just crazy to me that, like, man, these, these different these different, uh, you know, nationalities, like these different uh, cultures, like they they think and speak <laughs> in, in their different languages. languages. <laughs> like that, that's just so crazy to me. Because then at the same time, like they probably do the same thing, or they might not. Like they might actually think English and say it, but who knows, man? Like it's, that's just so crazy to me. Because for me, like I know you will learn the language a lot faster by learning to think in it. Mm -hmm. But for me, like, it's so hard, like, even though I say some of those things are like repetitively with, without having to think, like, there was a point in time to where, like, I was always constantly making that correlation. Okay, it's cold. Hace frío. It's cold. Hace frío. It's cold. Hace frío. All right, jacket, chaqueta, jacket, chaqueta. Like, it was that thing, like, in Spanish, where I don't know if you had to do it um, in high school, but you had to write five times each. Stupidest thing ever, but we had to, Spanish one and Spanish two, our homework would be whenever we had new words, we had to write it five times each. Mm -hmm. And we had to turn it in. I thought you were going to say the that's a Raven uh, assignment where they had the Spanish and they had to put like the sticky notes on everything in the house to learn the objects in Spanish. <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea, though. Like, it's not a bad idea. I saw when you were sharing your screen earlier that you had the Duolingo up and you had a notification. You've been using it again lately? I have not. I can't tell you how many notifications I get <laughs> talking about some, um, like they always, they're trying to get me to learn stuff that I already know. So I think part of the reason why I don't have the um, desire is because I haven't gone in and personalized my setup to give me words that uh, I don't 
that that I don't know or sentence structure that I don't already know. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of that stuff is so elementary to where I, like I, I get bored doing it because I already know all of it. Even though like I might not be able to do it in like real time like if you ask me something right now like i'd have to ponder on it but like, like when i get into the yeah like when i get into the app it's like oh yeah yeah I, like i can identify it and i can immediately know what it is but like just thinking right now like i wouldn't i don't, I don't know i never t- i haven't tested myself in a long time but that's the main reason why i'm not using it right now but i do want to um i think i might rededicate myself to to learning german i think because that's something i don't know at all like it would be hard to get boring with the elementary stuff mm-hmm. and it's completely and, unrelated to the romance languages exactly and, the, and then on top of that i watched that john cena stretching video mm-hmm. and he says that he counts in mandarin because it takes his mind off of it mm-hmm. and i would count to 10 in spanish even though like i know like the back of my hand like it takes my mind off of the reps and it takes my mind off of you know the amount of time i'm stretching because the conversion more, yeah exactly like it, it takes my mind off of so much stuff when i'm actually doing the workout or the stretching routines because i'm spending more time like you said making the conversion rather than you know all right damn my, my shoulders hurting a little bit all right my <laughs> chest hurting a little bit like no I'm, I'm solely focused on you know saying the next thing yeah i saw josh you you were more consistent with duolingo but you kind of fell off recently. I, I was keeping an eye on like our comparison, see how many points he was racking up. Yeah, I'm, um, I sometimes just forget a day, to be honest with you. That's usually why. I didn't but, think that I mean, happened. Say it again. I, said, I didn't think that happened. Oh yeah, I mean, after I did it, after I did it a year um, straight, I was I wasn't really that motivated, and I knew like I was doing a whole bunch of stuff to the point that I wasn't probably going to get to it, and it was gonna the streak was gonna fall off anyway. So. Mm-hmm. I just kind of figured that. But to your actual question, I feel like the soft skills lead into the hard skills, how you guys were talking about. So that's really, uh, well, other than other than me, not really uh, knowing any hard skills. Like if you, like I said, time management skills, if you have good time management skills, then you can learn how to cook or you can learn how to uh, learn a foreign language right. or something like that. So that's why, what? But I think a better way for me to explain, like after Des was just speaking about uh, the, the foreign languages and, and all that, I was thinking also like, I forgot what part triggered this, but I think a better you know, he first his first retort to like why I said like the differentiation between the hard skills and soft skills. I think the difference is a hard skill is something you can be. So if you look at the things we just said, like you cannot be a professional critical thinker. You can be in a profession where you have to critically think, but there's not an actual job where you can think critically. Same thing with emotional intelligence. You can't be a pro- promotion, uh, excuse me, professional emotional intelligence or that's not a thing even though you could say okay a therapist or you could take the time out to be a professional cook though you can't that's a hard skill that's my point you can't be you can't be a professional time manager what i was going to say was okay so you want the title to it because a professor technically speaking a professional critical thinker is a philosopher and a professional time manager is a manager itself I thought about the like, manager when you threw me for a spin when you said the uh, the philosopher. I like that. Well, think about it. Like the, I, I don't know if you ever took philosophy, but like, man, philosophy is nothing but critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember I took this um, 200 level course and it was the hardest course I have ever taken in college because 
I would be in the class and I would be engaged. I'd be proactive. I'd ask all the questions that I know I'm going to need answers to later. And I would turn in the work and I would still get a C. Like it was to the point where I was just so frustrated. I was like, man, like I'm asking all these questions. And really he was just like, the level that you're thinking on right now is not where you need to be. Like you're, you're thinking everything, you're trying to apply logic right now. Like there's certain things in philosophy where you just have to take it for what it is. And like, the more you question it, the more like really for philosophy, the more you question it, the more lost you're going to be. That's what I took from philosophy. So when I took my 300, 400 level courses, I stopped questioning the legitimacy of it. And I just questioned what it is I'm learning and the, how applicable it is or how non-applicable it is. Mm-hmm. And I had A's the rest of the, like the rest of it, like philosophy literally is nothing but critical thinking with or without application. Yeah, because there's different ideologies within philosophy that they have like a fundamental basis. And so you have to assume that that much is true in order for you to think along those lines. Exactly. Like the, uh, speak, you saying that perfectly reminds me of uh, Descartes and the uh, evil genius theory, man. Like I, I am not gonna lie, that, I got a D on that test because I just could not understand. Like it was the first, first thing we unpacked in this philosophy class and I failed it. Like I just, there was just something I could not understand, but I learned to love the, um, the, the theory itself because it made me realize like there's literally levels to critical thinking. Like we might look at some of these uh, people that follow Trump and be like, damn, they, like they, they, they don't possess like just from a biased mind frame, like they don't possess the ability to critical think, but like they're, what we might look at as blind faith might not be blind faith to them. Like they might actually have rational reasoning that we might deem irrational to why they fought, why they follow Trump. And it's like, instead of me questioning it, and I'll tell you this, wrapping everything up, the moment I stopped questioning everything in life and I learned to take it for what it is, I found peace. I no longer had those headaches when I was constantly trying to understand everyone's intentions, their actions, why this, that, and third. So once I just started taking everything for what it is, and I realized that I had the ability to oftentimes affect 99.9% of my outcomes, like I just stopped questioning stuff. Of course, you know, every human being, they have that natural, natural inquisition that they just have, you know, built on upon as from, you know, adolescence. But like for me, the moment I stripped myself for trying to understand everybody and everything that everybody did, like life just became so much more peaceful. Like my life now is a constant walk in the botanical garden. I'm always smelling the roses. And <laughs> saying that, like one of the, when I first read the question, because I I, uh, I couldn't find it until like you posted it in the group chat, you know, around five. One of the things that I wrote was, you know, self-affirmation slash self-determination slash self-motivation. I think like, and you even started talking about a little bit to where, you know, you had to find that motivation or you had to be self-motivated absent of another person being there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so key. It's so critical. Like that's what separates the leaders from the followers that that ability to be motivated without needing someone to pick you up. Like the ability to pick yourself up is, is just a truly underrated skill itself. And like, every time I have a one-on-one with my manager, she's like, yo, you didn't have a good month. She was like, you didn't have a good month last month. And I knew you didn't because you told me. And I, I looked at your next month stats and I expected what I saw. Like she already knows, like, if I have a bad month, she doesn't have to say nothing because my next month is going to be three times better than what last month was. 
she always says that she's like our meetings are we have like 40 minute um 40 minutes section off to have this meeting but it's never gone longer than 20 minutes because all she needs to hear is that one thing from me it was like yeah i didn't have a good month once i come out and say yeah i didn't have a good month because of x y and z she's like all right that's all i need to hear i expect to see better next month and she doesn't even say that she says it without saying it. she's like she'll say something like yeah that's not the desert that i know you read between the lines exactly like she's all she'll always say she's like yeah i've been waiting to see that desert that i know because when i first got into um, adp like i was top top three out of 60 people so it's like you know to for me to have a bad month it has to be something external and i, I was straight up tell like yeah there's certain days i don't i just don't feel like getting out of bed but i know how to now manage that by you know making sure i'm not going to sleep mad taking that time out to watch star wars or play a couple games or you know read a little bit of the book wake up at four o'clock and actually catch or wake up at 3 a.m and catch a london session to get to build my own self up rather than you know needing to watch something on youtube i mean you know maybe that's how people self-motivate themselves like watching other people on youtube do their thing or instagram but for me like i know how to i know how to pick myself up now without you know needing any external motivation because I was one of those people throughout undergrad man to where I had a 9 a.m my my attendance was maybe like 60 60 percent and I always be trying to watch some Eric Thomas video on the way to ODU trying to find that external motivation to you know finish the semester strong man and it, it just never worked and I was like once I realized that I had to consistently challenge myself like that's when I that's when that self-motivation factor, like just everything started to make sense as far as how I get to point A to point B without, you know, having a taxi. Don't you mean Uber? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody rides taxis anymore. Josh, do you, or how did you develop your self-motivation? Cause I know that you're a pretty driven person as well. And you don't rely on other people for that. I actually just try to imagine myself or what I want to be really like the person I want to be, I guess you could say that's, that's really how I imagine myself. Cause like you said, I try not to rely on other people's motivation and I try to pick apart the time where I like, I have to ask myself, wait, am I actually really, am I, why am I doing this? Am I doing this before someone else? Or am I doing this for myself? So yeah, it's a, yeah, it's really about that. I want I would really say like just finding the motivation and, looking at who I want to be and then trying to get to that person. Can uh, I was going to ask, can someone be born with hard skills or soft skills? So I want to look at the exact definition because I was, I guess my definition, I, I had two tries. So this is strike three. I'm going to try one more time. And this is the actual definition that I had to look up to differentiate. Hard skills are teachable and, me and measurable abilities such as writing, reading, math, or the ability to use computer programs. By contrast, soft skills are traits that make an, a person like a good employee, such as etiquette, communication, and listening, or getting along with people. So that's the difference. It's not necessarily the what I was saying with the having a career in those in those fields. But with any of the skills that we mentioned here, like can they be born? Can someone be born with them? Born with a hard skill. Yeah, any of the skills that we well, it just says it just says hard skills are teachable and measurable. Like, I don't think anybody could be born and just know how to program computers. 
Desmond. <laughs> you about to try it. <laughs> nah, I, I'm. I don't think anybody can be. I mean, I don't want to say anybody can't be born with the hard skills, but it's hard to hard to tell me otherwise. What's the well, What's the examples they name? You said like, like writing, reading, math, or the ability to program. So, like you, you have to. Those are the only hard skills, or no, they're just using those no. Are these, these are examples, okay. but they are. There's a fundamental understanding for each one of those things that's basics. Like for you to understand calculus, you have to understand basic addition, subtraction, those those kind of things. So you have to the knowledge built upon that. So it's impossible for you to have mastery over something and just be uh, exceptionally proficient if you don't have the, the fundamentals understood. So that implies like a hierarchy of learning. Okay. What are you thinking? No, I was just going over what you said. Uh, got you. I got you. Anything else you have? No, I think that was all for me. You have anything, Des? No, nah, I'm good, boss. You have an album of the week? Uh, I actually have a playlist of the week. I'm going to make it public, but I actually built this playlist like a little bit after my son was born. And it's uh, Eli E. Kyrie. His middle name is Elijah and Y in Spanish is E, but it's Eli and Kyrie. And there's a bunch of songs that he really liked as a kid, and there's a, or I'm sorry, as an infant, and there's a bunch of songs that I really was feeling at the time. So you can get anything from Bruno Mars to Miguel to Nas to Jay Z. So <laughs> I'll make it public uh, in, a, in a little bit, but it's, uh, if you have Apple Music, it's going to be under my profile. I think my Apple Music name is Dope Is This. I don't know. I think so. Check real quick. I think I have it right here. It's not going to load. But yeah, I'll make it public before. Actually, I'll make it public right now. So by the time this airs, you guys will already. It's 169 songs, 10 hours. It's the equivalent of, you know, my old playlist that I used to put up here um, that you could cook, clean, relax to. It has some everything. Jeez, I didn't even know it had all of these. Lucas has even added some stuff to it unintentionally. I don't even. Yep. Okay. Eli E. Kyrie. Eli and Kyrie. K H I R Y. It's not spelled like Kyrie Irving. It's spelled how my parents, I guess, intended to, for it to be spelled. <laughs> All right. If you guys like the discussion, don't forget to hit the like button. We're going to see you guys next week. Peace.